Well, and I think the key thing for the audience that are listening to this and, uh, and you guys know it best is that this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. All right. We need to pace ourselves. Like you said, we need to create those processes so that we're able to kind of keep that rhythm moving. For freshly brewed discussion on automotive sales and marketing, this is Coffee with Jason. The Coffee with Jason podcast is sponsored by Closers Coffee. For that full-bodied, rich, sweet flavor with a bright acidity. Drink Closers Coffee, stay caffeinated, and keep on closing. Find out more at closerscoffee.ca. All right, Chris, man, thank you so much for taking the time um, and jamming with me today. I really appreciate it. For everybody out there that um, don't know about you or maybe haven't been able to consume some of your content, can you maybe lay out that two-minute origin story that is Chris Cubby? The origin story, I like that. Well, I was trapped in a cave for five <laughs> days with, no, I have nothing, I have nothing good like that at all. Um, well, so maybe I have an okay origin story, but uh, basically, okay, I was a weird kid. Let's just, let's just, let's just lay that out there. I was a weird child. I was into art and drawing and, and I actually love comic books quite a bit and I would draw comic books and, you know, I would critique ads on television and in newspapers and magazines. And my parents must have been like, this is a weird child. (laughs) So they sort of directed me in this route of of more advertising and marketing. I I begged them for a book, um, like 100 Top Jobs in Advertising. And they got me the book and I read it cover to cover and I, you know, learned about, you know, art directors and creative (laughs) directors and account managers and all that kind of stuff. And I was basically hooked. And this was when I was about 12 years old, maybe. Wow. I can't imagine my 12-year-old coming and asking me, can, hey, Dad, can I have a book on yeah. advertising and how exactly. it's structured? <laughs> That's what I mean. I'm like, I was a weird kid. <laughs> That's so, cool. And, and like by 14, I did my first internship at an ad agency, you know, basically sweeping floors, getting coffee, anything to be in the game, like, so to speak. Um, and then I sort of made my way around that, learned that, learned graphic design learn like Quark Express, learn Photoshop. Illustrator <laughs> was sort of coming in at that time. So they would put me on like cleaning up some graphic uh, files and things like that. And, you know, putting stickers on billboards and, you know, all these kind of things. So nice. I was, yeah. So I was kind of, you know, uh, earning my, uh, earning my keep a little bit there. And at 16, I mean, the World Wide web was really coming in hot. And I started to teach myself how to code and uh, do websites because I had this sort of, nerdy background so i yeah i learned how to code started doing websites building websites for anybody and everybody that would ask for one and sort of yeah just did that for a time made some flash learned flash so what was the first language you because i I, now i can date you based on how you answer this question what was the first coding language you learned well html right like straight up (laughs) straight up html there's no css at that time it was all inline styling um, there was no, if you could even style anything, like it was basically, you know, underline link. Everything was built in tables. Yeah. I remember. No, yeah. Was like, yeah. Tables, <laughs> color. You could do some cool, you could do some color table type of things. You could do color backgrounds. Like it was very, very, uh, simplistic, um, interface designs, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I love doing it. And, and I basically, you know, at 18, I I created my own little marketing agency doing email marketing, and search engine marketing, and like very basic stuff. Me and a friend did it. Um, and I worked, you know, some small clients in my small city. And, and then I went to university, studied 
marketing and, and communications and got after university, got my first job, moved to Toronto, Canada for that first job. And then, you know, um, yeah. Oh, so, oh, so you're from Toronto so, or at least you've no, spent well, time from in Toronto. Calgary, Alberta. <laughs> and then okay. moved to Toronto when I was 23. Nice. Right out, of, right out of university. As soon as I graduated, I moved out there, started with actually venture capital firm. So uh, that was quite interesting. I got to see a lot of the business side of, of, uh, of business, if you could <laughs> say that, um, the money side of business. So I got a good education in, in that. And, you know, we did a lot of rebranding, a lot of marketing for the different portfolio companies in that time. So I learned, you know, I got thrown in the fire, basically learned a ton. And then I moved to Denmark. My wife is actually Danish. So uh, we decided she got a really good job offer in Denmark here. So Copenhagen. So we mm-hmm. moved, I got a job at an ad agency, um, you know, quickly rose the ranks to the head of their digital age, digital side. Um, Cause I was like one of the more senior digital because i've been doing it since i was 16 yep uh, so i was you know quite well versed in that you know working for big companies like carlsberg and craft foods and burger king and uh, novo nordis so doing like a lot of uh, a lot of big brands yep and after that i went client side so a client tempted me to come to their side come to the dark side and, come uh, to the dark side <laughs> come to the dark side bigger salaries and less hours uh, but that's but, what they say, but ultimately not as fun, as much fun work. And, uh, so I went client side for a few years and did that. And then in 2016, I said, time, now's the time, which was a stupid idea. Now's the time to start an agency. Sure. You're 30, you're 30, what was I? 34. You're 34. You have two kids, a mortgage, a couple of car payments. That's a good idea. Well, it's, it's pretty much exactly what I did. I'm literally the exact same thing. And two kids, yeah. mortgage. So you know, you and know. I was like, ah, I'm gonna sell my dealership and go start a agency. <laughs> smart, smart move, right? So yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I did that. I decided, okay, I'm gonna make my own agency, and uh, you know, it's been a wild ride ever since. You know, just growing, getting clients, pitching, working on cool stuff, mostly social media management, uh, content. Uh, digital funnels, websites, email campaigns, you know, everything, you know how it is when you first start, like anything you can get oh, your anything, hands on. Anything you can get your hands on. Like, you know, it's funny, my operations manager was, we sat down in a meeting the other day and we were looking through some of the books and he's like, what is this package? And it was like, it, the title of the package at the point in time was called Full Execution. And they're okay. like, he's like, what the hell is Full Execution? And I'm like, well, back then, all right. Don't you know? Four years like, ago. Don't you know what full execution? Is? <laughs> I'm like it was like it was whatever the hell they wanted. And that's what it was. Like, <laughs> it was whatever the hell they wanted for that amount of money. I mean, you know how when when you're starting oh, an agency, yeah. you just, you just kind of do whatever whatever you can, whatever you need to, right? Yeah, that's a smart move. Full execution. I like that. I'm going to use that package. <laughs> yeah. Full execution package. Anything you want. So anything yeah. you want for this amount of money. And of course now now my operations match like, you know, you can't do that anymore. No. <laughs> like well, yeah. it's been years. You know, we're going like, through those changes as well, right? Trying to tighten it up, trying to make sure, you know, there's some process in place, replicable, scalable solutions and 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 that's uh, that's we're crossing those bridges right now, which is great because I'm it's it's working and I love it. So 
and I think the keyword is scaling, right? And I think, you know, anybody that's listening to this, <coughs> excuse me, anybody that's listening to this, um, no matter the size of their business, scale is just always an issue. And, and it seems to be an issue in every single space. It's not just, um, it's not just in your employees and your sales and your marketing and your growth. It's like, it's just, there's always, or even your content, how do you scale that? You know, it's just, we're always trying to, to scale and just finding that right formula is tough. And I I find that we don't necessarily, when we do try to scale and we'll kind of talk about content here, because this is what I'm kind of pushing, we're pushing into is how you kind of scale up your content. right? Right. Um, you know, I think the first thing is I would see where on my side is with a lot of dealerships is that they're putting content out there, but they don't even know why the hell they're even putting content out there. Yeah. There was no goal and objective in the first place. So it's like, how can you, I mean, I have dealerships out there that want to scale up their efforts, but how can you scale up your efforts? You don't know why the hell you're doing it. Right. Right. Yes. And we see this all the time. And I mean, I think it's a. I think even for, this is the great thing about this or the, maybe the, the, the unfortunate thing is that those challenges are across the board. Mm-hmm. So even, I mean, we're talking about dealerships right now who, who might be, you know, small to large dealerships. Like they might be a hundred people. They might be 200 people. They might be 50 people. Um, we deal mostly with large international businesses. They still have issues with this, right? So even a multi-billion dollar company who can throw as much as they want at things, still have issues with this. So I think that's an interesting lesson that I think a lot of brands need to learn is that that you might think that you, you know, what I try to do is break it down simply and say, you know, this is, this isn't rocket science. It, it, it is a putting one foot in front of the other, but you do need to learn how to walk before you can run. Right. So you need to figure out that content cadence and figure out why you're doing things and, and what is a good model for doing this and, and what is a good process for doing this and trust in the process. Um, Cause oftentimes ROI is, you know, further down the road for you. So you really have to understand that this is not a quick fix. This is a, this is a, a long-term solution, but you need to stay the course, right? You need to have good course and be able to correct the course if it's not working, but you need to have some good directions. Why are we doing this? Like you said, Mm-hmm. And then going forward and understanding that, okay, then we, we add this element and that element and this element. We can't do it all at once, but we need to keep, you know, adding stuff in and to build this, you know, this power ranger of content. But you got to start um, somewhere in the right way. So, so I think that you're absolutely right. But the good lesson is that almost everybody has issues with scaling their content um, it's not a, you know, other than maybe a Nike or, uh, or Microsoft or, I mean, Apple doesn't even scale their content. They don't really need to, <laughs> they don't need to, um, they don't need to, right. Which is also a lesson. If you've got a great brand, sometimes that stuff's not needed, but you really have to have the best brand and the best product in the marketplace. So. Well, and I think the key thing for the audience that are listening to this and, uh, and you guys know what best is that this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. All right. We need to pace ourselves. Like you said, we need to create those processes so that we're able to kind of keep that rhythm moving. So what ends up happening a lot in car sales is that it's this sprint from the first of the month to the 30th of the month. Right. And it's like, that's all that, that's all we see. You know, I, I, you know, my, my manufacturer tells me I have to hit this quota. 
Now my owner is telling me I got to hit this quota. Now my manager is telling me I have this quota. Like it just, it just slides all the way downhill, right? Yeah. We're just nothing but focused on this 30 day cycle, but that's not necessarily what a, a good, a good content strategy is. So can you kind of lay it out for me? Kind of what those first steps to starting to maybe prepare for that marathon and then actually getting into the marathon. Sure. Like there's, there's a couple of different approaches. There's the, you know, what I would say is that there's the, uh, sniper rifle approach and then there's the shotgun approach or the machine gun approach. And, and it really comes down to what you want to do. And I think for me, we're much, much more focused on the sniper rifle approach lately, which is really sitting down and understanding the target audience first. Mm-hmm. What are their pains? What are their pains, right? And, and to do that, we really root it in some, some careful data collection. We use things like answerthepublic.com or Quora or FAQs or search traffic. So we find out what are the pains. So if it's a dealership, it might be something to do with, you know, why would I choose a black car over a white car? Why would I, why, what is, uh, what's the difference between, you know, would I get better gas mileage with an automatic versus a manual? I don't know if they have those sort of decisions, but there's a lot of questions that people ask about certain models, certain makes, certain paint, certain wheels, certain whatever those things are that they're selling, right? And, and it's up to you from a content creator standpoint, a marketer, to understand those things first and foremost. What are the challenges that people face and how can we help them answer those challenges or, or solve those challenges for themselves? Because as we all know, that's basically what people are doing when they're shopping nowadays. And that's what we're, that's the power of the content that we put out there. Right. But I, you're absolutely, you're hundred percent right. The key is knowing your audience. Yes. So and knowing their pain, right? Like, so knowing like, you know, can I fit if, if, if for example, if someone's a family, Mm-hmm. They want to know, like, what is what is the most uh, safe car, or what is in a certain category, or they want to know all these different elements related to who they are, the 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 point in their life that they're at, right? So if they have kids, or if they don't have kids, or all these sort of aspects. So you really need to understand what is it the car that we're selling, and who is it really for, and what are the pains that they will have in relation in and into buying that car, the process. And how can we help them figure that out for themselves or get them to a certain point where they come and ask you, right? They say, Hey, like, and I think that's the ultimate, you want foot traffic, you want people in the door, right? So we want to be known as the authority, right? So, I mean, putting out content out there, it can show us that we're the authority of, of this space, right? Yes, exactly. And then, and then using that to get the information about the good thing that you can do is, is when you find out, okay, what are their pains? What do they need? What do they want? Mm-hmm. Developing that content, tracking that content, testing that content, is it actually working? And what we typically do is with the sniper rifle approach is that we use social as a sandbox. Mm-hmm. So, okay, okay we're going to develop this piece of content, but we're only going to, sorry, I'm just going to get rid of my slack here. You'll probably hear it coming in. No, that's uh, cool. So we're going to develop that content, but we're going to develop it in micro content first. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do like a video. Like a quick thing, you know, I take my phone, I'm, I'm the head of sales for a dealership or whatever it is, and I'm going to do a little video about that issue, right? So I'm going to say, you know, 
if you're really interested in, in buying a white car this year, let me tell you, there's some issues with white cars or there's some great things when you buy a white car. Like it gets, you know, it might look dirty or this or whatever it is. I have no idea. Yeah, but, but the, point, the point is it's authentic. Yeah, uh, it's authentic, but it's also what you're trying to do is slim down. You're trying to do some testing. And then what you do is we take this content before we build blogs, before we develop big long pieces or whatever. It's very simple. Then we run tests on Facebook ads with that content to see if it's actually interesting to people, to see if it resonates. If it does resonate, then we say, great, that was a theme. That was something interesting. People really like that. Let's build out a bigger thing. Let's do a blog post from it. Let's do a, let's do a longer video about it. Perhaps we need to make a podcast about it. Yeah, Perhaps, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, what are the different iterations of this can we make? Um, should we make more Facebook ads about it? And that's, that's the sort of thing that we do. And that's what I would say the sniper rifle approach is, is testing ideas first. To well, see it, it's gonna it's a strategy, right? I mean, you actually have to take the time. You got to first off uh, identify what your actual goal and objective is, right? It's, it's not enough that we just say that we want to sell more cars because no shit, Sherlock, we want to sell more cars. <laughs> you know, it's really identifying exactly which vehicles we want to sell more of then once and how many more do we really need to sell and then once we have that then we need to identify the audience that's going to help us meet those goals and objectives now once we identify maybe who those two or three audiences are for example vehicles have you know multiple audiences um i'm trying to think uh, a toyota rav4 right a incredibly popular vehicle all yeah, across the globe a family car could be also a car for retirees it can yeah, be younger active life lifestyles like there's just there's a lot there so we identify each dealership based on their location is going to have entirely different types of demographics and even some cases ethnic backgrounds so you know we need to identify who those audiences are to help us meet the goals and objectives and once we've identified those audiences then we need to create content specifically for them that yeah. relevates for them and i think this is where things start to get disconnected because i hear this horrible term when i'm meeting with dealerships and it's a for me it's a it's it's a dirty dirty word it, they're good ideas. I, I, I can't stand good ideas because good ideas are never really structured around a goal and objective or typically an audience. It's like, I got a good idea for a video. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, here we go. You know, it's, you know, it, it's good ideas can come after we've defined what the, what the goal is, who the audience is. And then let's talk about what kind of content is relevant for them. But like you said to your point, I've heard in some of your pieces before it's for them not right. for me the yeah. business a lot of times brands are making content that's egocentric right it's yes. very much about what they want to say in the way they want to say it and i think those there's room for that don't get me wrong there's room for that but i think what i think brands need to focus more on is is their customer and what the customer actually wants and you can direct that like don't get me wrong like i actually like good ideas because i think you know, I think that oftentimes there's a intention there to do the right thing, but it's how we, it's, it's how we approach it. And it's how we say, okay, this is, that's probably a good idea, but how does this relate to the customer? And can we make it relate to the customer? And, and oftentimes we can test. Here's the thing. A lot of times we don't know what's going to work until we hit publish. Sure, exactly. And right, so I think, right. I mean, good ideas yeah. are okay when they're grounded to in, in some strategy. strategy. Yeah. 
know, it's not like, you know, I got this 360 degree camera. I have a great idea of shooting some video. That's not <laughs> take a little it has to be grounded in some strategy. Like, why are we doing, this? who are we doing it for and how are we going to do it? Yeah. I totally agree with you hundred percent. So I think what a lot of times that we do is then when we find that content, like when we find those pieces that work and that when we hit publish, it actually works. Then we, we talk about scaling it. Mm-hmm. Then we talk about, okay, what are the different things? Can we make an Instagram post? Can we make, how do we work this for Twitter? Is there a way that we can start a conversation about this on QR, like I mentioned and all the different sort of places on our own website, for example, um, you know, putting out, you know, milking it, really milking the content as much as we can. Let's get everything that we can out of this. Cause if we're making the effort to make it, then to scale it, we really need to, you know, wring it out and squeeze it out as much as possible. Yeah. And I'm curious what kind of, let's say, so we put a piece of content out there. Uh, We run against uh, Facebook ads and Instagrams, which is quick because we can get our message out there super fast to our area or primary area of responsibility, you know, and and we can immediately start seeing, but um, what kind of KPIs, what are you guys measuring engagement? Are you guys measuring click-through rates? Are you guys in measuring frequency? You know, because I think there's, there's a lot of confusion out there, right? I mean, I see people come back and say, well, I ran a campaign. It didn't really work because I only got so many clicks, but that's only one singular form of engagement. In fact, it's kind of an old school one. Yeah, but it all depends on your metrics. Like, like, it all depends on what your KPIs actually are. For example, for some of our clients, they only want views. Mm-hmm. Some of our clients, like it depends on the campaign as well, right? Like sure. going into each campaign, you decide, okay, do we want click-throughs? Great. Then that's the measurement that we go for. And the great thing is that with all the advertising tools and all the, the things that we have available, we can say that's the objective. And the yes. campaigns usually usually adjust to that metric. And I say usually because sometimes they don't, sometimes you have to force it or sometimes you have to keep an eye, really good eye on it. Yeah. But I think, you know, setting those objectives and saying, okay, with this, but that really comes down also to the content and the content is saying, you know, sometimes what works for the KPI of engagement, you know, that won't work for something for click through. Right. So say for example, I wanted to create a debate with my content. You know what I mean? Good point. Yep. So you're, yeah, you're looking, you know for, I mean? like, you're looking for engagement, right? Yeah. So people are in, like, there's not going to be any click throughs. No, so no. It's don't all try to do, right there. Don't try to do both. Like don't try to take, you know, that's what I find a lot of brands do is they try to get everything. Yeah. Click throughs, <laughs> engagement, reach, uh, views on my video. I want everything. And it's like, well, it doesn't really work that way. Sometimes you get super lucky and win the content lottery get it all sure but it, it, that's the full house of of digital marketing it's it doesn't happen very often so or more like a straight flush or something <laughs> but like you know what i mean so you can't really get that going all the time what you need to do is pick one and say listen we really want engagement okay then build that content towards that you want to create comments you want to create people commenting below saying yeah i don't agree with you or yeah i agree with you or what about this or what about that so then set that objective and build the content around that and, and what I think is, is interesting for me and what we do typically for the brands we work with is we try to do a mix. We try to do content that is specific for engagement. We try to do content that's specific for 
for uh, lead gen. We do content that's specifically for click through. We do content that's specifically for views like and reach. So we try to mix it up because also your audience can get um, fatigued. 100%. Basically, like if you're always doing engagement posts, always asking for this. Like you have to kind of understand that you're building a an audience here. You're building a community. So treat them as such, right? So, so oftentimes we'll put in, you know, some rules that say, okay, maybe an engagement post once or twice a week. Um, once or twice a week, it's a video that we really want to get the views on. Once or twice, it's a link out to try to bring some traffic in. And that's the sort of approach that we take is that, you know, testing out things all the time. Well, you're, diver you're diversifying your objection, your objectives, right? Yes, exactly. So, so, and that's what I'm trying to do. So we're really kind of lining up the strategy, which is great. Like, I mean, look, we, we start with that golden objective. We identify the audience that's going to help us meet that golden objective, right? Then we start making creative for the audience, okay, not for ourselves. Um, but it's not one piece of creative. Uh, like you said, it's, it can, it's multiple pieces of creative that have multiple objectives you know, based on what we're trying to do with the customer. Now, awesome. now, and then once we put those out there and we start collecting that data, then you're talking about the next step is, is kind of extending that story through organic content, more blogs. Is that what yeah. you're thinking? Okay. Yeah, you can do it organic or paid. I mean, it really depends on what you want to do. But oftentimes, like, here's the other thing that I find a lot of brands make mistakes on is, is literally, like, they jump to the next thing. So, so oftentimes, like, I always say, like, go Hollywood on it, which means, you know, Hollywood will create Transformers 1, or you know Iron Man one or whatever it is and then they will literally like replicate that they'll find a property that works really well and they'll just keep doing it right that's, and I like that that's actually a really good term I might have to steal that one <laughs> you yeah, Hollywood it because the Hollywood uh, go Hollywood on it because the thing is, is that most of the time you'll find something just like an outlier that works perfect but then the brands like oh, we want to do that again but something different like we want the same KPIs or we want to reach the same goals but do it completely different. I'm like, no, no, just run it again. Like, literally like that campaign did like, nope. You know, your entire audience, your entire region of responsibility or area of responsibility hasn't seen this yet. Run it again, do it again. Yep. And oftentimes that works really well. Well, sometimes it doesn't, which is, you know, sometimes you have a sequel that flops. But it's like more than often it brings in a decent amount of money. It's like, okay, it might not reach the same levels as, as part one, sure. but, uh, but part two did really, really well. And I think that's, that's another thing when it comes to scaling your content. Most people think about, about uh, replicating the results, but in a different piece of content. And I always say, run it again. Run it again. Let's see what it does this time. Part, you know, let's mix it up a little bit so it looks a little bit different or just a little same content, same idea, same story, same feeling same characters but just just a new new spin on it. run it again and, it, and oftentimes it does really well and that's so when we talk about scaling that's one of the things you can look at really well which a lot of marketers don't go back what was in the last six months what really worked well mm -hmm. and they'll say oh that campaign did good run <laughs> it again oh but we can't it's that was a labor day that was a labor day campaign Call it Labor Day now. Like, call it like we're making a new Labor Day. This is a new Labor Day today. Yep. We're making it. Screw what the calendar says. Like we're Christmas doing in July. <laughs> yeah, Christmas in July. Now, yeah, like, that, why not? <laughs> yeah, but those are the campaigns that are like, oh, that's funny. Okay, that's interesting. 
the yep. Labor Day sales, um, we're, we, we want to do it again. <laughs> it was so great, right? So I think those are, those are the kind of funny things that, that brands really need to look at when it comes to scaling is, is, you know, you might think it's boring, but chances are 10% of your audience saw it or, or 5% or 20%. So get another well, 80% in. And I, and I think it's important, you know, as we're kind of talking about content and we're talking about, you know, making it somewhat funny is that, that you know, um, the goal with content development is that we're entertaining and educating at the same time. You know, if, if we're doing kind of, if we can do both, it's kind of a win-win, you know, we can lean towards one, but we still need to bring some pieces in. But if you're just nothing but always educating, not entertaining, you know that the following and the engagement is not going to quite be there. But if you're always entertaining and you're never educating, you know, the, the, the lifetime of them consuming, the, consuming your information is only going to be short-lived. You know, so, but I, I agree with you. And I think that's so when we're talking about content and kind of how to put it together, A, we want it to be audience specific, you know, but we want some element. We want some authenticity to it, right? Now, here's the thing I find with content when I'm talking to dealerships is that they, 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 they want to do it. In fact, pretty much everything that we've talked about, they are, hey, I'm in, let's do it. But then yeah. they don't do it. There, there seems to be this very first step, you know, and speaking of Nike, the perfect logo, perfect slogan for it, the just do it right. part of creating content. What kind of advice can you give to dealerships that are in that phase where they're like, hey, Chris, I agree with you, man. Like, I, I dig the strategy. I, I, I can do this. I can execute on this. And then they're just kind of, they're like, they're stuck in limbo at the just do it phase. Hire a personal trainer. Oh, good one. I like that. The problem is this, like, I'll be 100% honest, uh, you need to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody who's restarted their gym program after, you know, being away for a few years knows that it's really hard to get to the gym if you don't have maybe a friend or a personal trainer that's waiting there for you to get there and work out. And I think it's the same with when it comes to content. I think it's the same when it comes to marketing and advertising. I mean, I'm an agency owner, so I'm really biased, but I believe the hardest part is execution. Even if your intentions are amazing, even if you have the knowledge, like, listen, I have all the knowledge in here when it comes to so many things, when it comes to digital SEO, social ads, um, video production, uh, you know, geolocation. Like I know so much shit. Do you think I do any of it? I do maybe 10% of it. And the problem is, is because I cannot execute on everything. Yep. I need to hire people to do it for me. And it doesn't matter if I have all the knowledge. So a great marketing manager or a dealership owner might be sitting there, have all the knowledge in the world. Like, oh man, I've been listening to Jason's podcast. I know exactly what to do. The problem is actually doing it. The yep. problem is because you get stuck in a rut and you just forget to go to the gym. You're like, oh, the kids, man, and oh, I just like I'm tired, and I didn't uh, sleep well last night, and I just don't get it done, and that just turns into um, excuses and excuses and excuses, and then eventually you just drop it and don't do it, and then you're sitting in a recession with no leads and no, you know, anything to work with. So I think the 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 trick is is, and I, you know, find somebody, and even if it's the first three months, mm-hmm. find an agency, find a person, find somebody to hold you accountable. That's going to hold your hand and be like, listen, we're going to the gym today. We're going to the content gym today. 
I like right. that the content gem because that because that's really kind of what it is, right? We, yeah, that's what like, it is. We got to work out, man. We got to figure out how to do this content. We got to we got to we got a diet plan in place. We got a friggin' exercise plan in place, which is your strategy. Now we just got to lift some weights. Yep. And and and, and unless you have somebody that's spotting you, it's gonna fail. Like it's gonna like typically, like ninety nine percent of the time, it's gonna fail. So I really say like. Get a content buddy. Get, you know, I mean, if that's an agency that's perfect. Could be a small agency, could be a big agency, whatever it is. Get a get a content buddy that's going to hold you accountable and make sure that you are are meeting those goals, right? And if you say, okay, we have, um, if you're saying like, same with going to the gym, like this week we want to go three days a week. Okay, we want three content pieces this week, right? Based on our strategy. Yep. And it's simple as that. It's simple math. It's like, okay, did we do our three? Did we get it done? Yes or no? Like, and that's and you got you got to be the personal trainer. And then the advantage of, of course, having a personal trainer is that a they can help develop out that routine, right? Um, but also they can assist in the measurement of your performance. So you know, it's like it. it what the, the first time you go to lift a set of dumbbells is is going to be far far different than when the seventeenth time you go to lift a set of dumbbells. Absolutely, and you're going to get stronger. You're going to get progression. You're going to get better. And you know, you're going to maybe progress from just simple dumbbells to maybe full machinery. You know, it's just, there has to be kind of a progression in it. And you're right. If you can't execute it yourself, then you need to partner up someone that can execute it. But I love this idea of having this content personal trainer that holds you accountable, but then also assist in the kind of the, the measurement or the development of the performance of your content. So I I think, I think that's some amazing advice. I think it's a great place, a great place for the, for them to start. It's a good good metaphor, man. I think it works. So that's what I recommend. Find a personal trainer, content trainer. So here's something that I get a lot because I get asked a lot where they're like, Hey Jason, I get it. I, I, I dig the content. I understand. Like I like doing it. I just don't want to be the one to make the content. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't want to be the ones actually in it. They want right. something else. I, right. I always kind of struggle with that because you know, it's like, I, I want them to be in the content. It's, it supports their brand and their efforts. But how do you, what do you, I'm curious what your thoughts and opinions are of, you know, the, the owner or management actually being a part of content versus just having an agency or somebody just create the content. Both methods work. It really comes down to their goals and it comes down to um, what's going to work best for them. We've had clients that really want to be in their own content. We've had clients that don't. Um, and, and, I, and I understand both sides of those coins. I think that it's not needed um, unless you are unless you really want to be personal, unless your strategy is like, okay, we've looked at the market. Here's the thing that, that can be, uh, can be a killer. We've looked at the market and all of our competitors are very cold. It's very, uh, it's very much like, you know, there's no personal relationship building. It's very much like you pull in, you buy a car, you go home, you sign a lease, whatever it is. Um, and if you've done that assessment and you found like, Hey, there's a really good white space in our market where, you know, there's, we can be personal. We could be funny. We could be interesting. We could, we could, you know, sell cars that way. Then I think you have to be in the content, right? So that's obviously like if strategically it makes sense that you need to be in the content and be in it. If strategically it doesn't make sense, like if you don't need that element, if it doesn't add anything or isn't uh, going to give you a competitive advantage, then don't 
then don't worry about it. Hire it out, hire somebody, just get it done. Right? Like that's the, that, that's the other thing is like dealerships typically have a good amount of money and they have a good sense of what is their cost of acquisition. Yep. Right? So you can say like, Hey, we can spend X amount of money per vehicle, which is great for agencies because they know how to make that work for, for brands, for, for dealerships specifically, because they can say, okay, then we can spend this amount of money on content, this amount of money on distribution of that content, AKA organic or paid social or, or paid ads. Um, and we expect an ROI of this and we stick to that model and we see, okay, where are we, a go, is that model working or is it not? Are we, where are we screwing up? Is it the content or is it the placement or is it the, is it the, uh, the audience? Is the audience wrong? Like Some, sometimes so, you just don't connect, right? The message and the audience didn't quite resonate. Yeah, sometimes you don't, can't win at all, right? Like I wish I could, I wish I had a crystal ball. I could create a piece of content and know exactly how it's going to perform and how much money it's going to bring in doesn't work that way. So I think like understanding, uh, what is your, what do you guys want out of producing your own content? If it helps you strategically, if it doesn't get somebody else to do it because it's honestly going to free you up to, to do something else, like to run your business, to sell cars, to, to figure out that strategy, to figure out where you're going to go with this. Um, but I, I believe that, uh, being a part of the content strategy, understanding where it's going, understanding how it's impacting your business yep. is very critical, right? You don't necessarily need to be creating the content yourself, but you really have to understand how it's impacting your business. So you can make the right decision about, Hey, is this actually providing us with ROI or is it not? And if it's not, then what do we, how do we shift focus and how do we shift direction? And, and I love this idea with the strategy you have with your content is that you're first kind of testing the content, you know, in a paid way before yeah. you kind of build it into kind of this, this social way. So, so, so some of the issues that we kind of run into um, here with, with dealerships and, and I, I love dealerships. I do. I've been in the automotive industry for a long time, but I'm going to have a no problem admitting it as far as an industry goes. We're literally the most antisocial social people like in the world, you know, I mean, if you look at majority of automotive dealerships, social efforts, it is just pictures of cars and pictures of people picking up their cars and, you know, $140 biweekly payments and $69 weekly payments. And it's, it's, there's not like an, I'm always trying to explain to dealerships the difference between paid social and social social. Right. how, How would you kind of define that? I'm curious. Well, I don't like, here's the thing. Like, I think, one of the things that, okay, so here, like I'm, that's two sides of, of different coins. But what, what I want to say is that you can, of course, run paid social or advertising with advertising-like content. Um, you know, sometimes that, that you know, uh, three months, no down payment, uh, you know, $3.99 a month, that there's a place in time for that. Sure. And that's further down the funnel, right? So if you understand your funnel and say, okay, but, but what I end up seeing is that brands are maybe sometimes too quick to get to there. Yes, so I would yes. use that later in the funnel. So the first step is really the awareness side. The first step is really, you know, cons- and then consideration and all that kind of stuff. So, or desire and consideration and then, you know, and then closing. But w- what I think they need to do is they need to say, okay, what part of the funnel is this piece of content? If it's awareness, then you can do a lot of different things with that content. It, and it can be paid social, but mm-hmm. it can be 
awareness type of content, right? And then even consideration content can be more based on um, not necessarily ads, not necessarily like buy this, but you know, diesel versus gas, right? Sure. So down the funnel here, we've already made the decision that, or you at least have a sense that, okay, they probably want a Ford X uh, F-150, you know, do we want to engage with the first awareness piece, right? I mean, yeah. Or they've been on the website and yep. you've cookied them and you understand that, that, okay, they've been looking at the Ford F-150. Then, then the inspirational content is, is then the next step, which is like, okay, should it be in black? Should it be in white? Should it be diesel? Should it be gas? What can, you know what I mean? Like, what are all the things that we can add into this um, to help them make the decisions to inspire them? Uh, a lot of brands where they go wrong is they come too early with that, you know, buy now sort of thing. And sure. sometimes your, your customer is not there yet. So you just have to, and, and, but the problem with that is that sometimes they are ready for that. Sometimes they're ready for the hard sell. Sometimes they're ready for like, literally here's three ninety nine a month Buy now. And it works. It gets them in the door. Yep. But I think understanding those things is, is critical and understanding that paid social or organic social can be work for either. That's the great thing about social media is that it doesn't have to look and smell like an ad to put money behind it. Very true. You know what I mean? Like we used to like, you know what I mean? The best content strategy is that it's good content. Yep. Right. And that, and then you just throw money behind it and run, run your paid ads. Like you do content. Like so you're, paying for, you're buying the exposure, right? I mean, you put the content out there, but I, I see, I think that's what's, what's key here. And this is what kind of is missing in a lot of dealership strategies is that, um, you know, you know, for the most part, a lot of the people that are still responsible for the marketing or advertising within a dealership are still used to buying newspaper ads. Where you, that's what you're doing. You're just, you're just buying an ad. That that's it. We can't um, we can't necessarily measure the engagement off of it. We can't take that attention and then move it through the funnel because it's it's a one time thing. That that's it. What dealerships really kind of need to know when it comes to content is that there are multiple levels to the funnel, and especially in our industry, you know, the average consumer will spend sixty up to ninety days researching and shopping a vehicle before they make a purchase. So we have a long period of time to present a good chunk of content. Yeah, absolutely, and inspire them, and teach them, and 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 set your set your your dealership apart from the rest by doing those things versus coming in with the hard sell and. And of course, there's a time and place for that. Of course, like I'm not crazy, you need to close the deal. But I think, you know, thinking about your content and your advertising like content is a good is a good step in that direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Chris, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time you know to jam with me today. Um, I, I think we brought some serious, you know, nuggets and knowledge bombs. You know, and and. and yeah. really, yeah, no, no, thank you. I, I, I think it's been great. And, you know, um, for, for anybody out there that would love to connect with you and just learn a little bit more about what you do and start following some of your content, what's, what's the best way to connect with you? Oh, probably, uh, you know, run an advertisement in a newspaper. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> that was very cheesy. Cringe. That's that good, though. <laughs> people can, people can, uh, they can reach me on probably Instagram is the easiest or Twitter. So Instagram.com slash Chris Cubby, Chris, C-H-R-I-S-K-U-B-B-Y. Hit me up there. Let me know that you heard this podcast. I would love to uh, engage with people that have, uh, have heard it and, and just drop me a line and say, hey, man, heard you on, on Jason's podcast. It was really cool. Um, 
And then, uh, yeah, or Twitter, which is twitter.com slash Chris Cubby, same, same spelling. Pretty much everywhere on the net, I'm Chris Cubby, <laughs> www.chriscubby.com. So, you know, you can really, you can't really miss me. I'm, I'm kind of uh, spread thin <laughs> across everything. <laughs> nice. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I, re- I really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. See you.